Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm Drew Shelley, one of the pastors here. It is our hope and prayer that the message you hear today will help you connect deeply with the love of God we know in Jesus. Also, we'd love to connect with you so that we can share life and faith together. If you'd like more information about this church family, or if you want us to contact you, you can visit our website, fumcm.org, or you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at FUMC Borough. If you're looking for a place to belong, we have that place for you in one of our classes or small groups, as a part of one of our mission teams, or in either our modern or traditional worship services, which both meet at 1015 on Sunday mornings. First United Methodist Church is a warm and welcoming community of people committed to the idea of growing disciples of Jesus Christ who know Him, love Him, and serve Him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. We hope this week's message helps you in your own personal journey towards knowing, loving, and serving Jesus in your life. In our, our sermon today, I have to make a confession. I'm going to have to say a bad word as I tell a story, okay? I don't normally do that, but the story is so powerful that I feel like it just has to be told, and I tried to find a way to tell it, Andy, without saying the bad word, and you can't. You just have to say it, okay? Uh, the last time I said a bad word in church was eight years ago at the Cookville Church, and I did not know it was a bad word, so I found out after church that I had said a bad word and spent the afternoon on the telephone apologizing to all the parents in the sanctuary that morning. So I can tell you more about that later. But today, I'll just say uh, I'm going to use that not nice word for an illegitimate child. Parents, you know what that word is. It starts with a B, and I'll be saying that three times, okay? When I start telling a story about Will Campbell, can you say Will Campbell? Will Campbell. That's when it's about to happen, all right? I'm going to say it three times. The word will come out three times. Noah, are you mad already? You're just leaving? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm going to say the word three times, and so if you would like to cover ears, it's fine. I do think uh, with our Annabelle, who's three, we have taught her that there are nice words and not nice words, and that there are way more nice words that can be used, and we just don't use the not nice words. And so... Maybe that works for you, or maybe you just want to cover ears up when I get to Will Campbell. Whatever you'd like to do. If you'd like to get up and walk out, that's fine too. I'll give you some time to do that when I start with Will Campbell. So, all right, Noah came back. Good. Are we good? We're good. All right. And if it gets really bad, just call me and we can talk all afternoon about it. (laughs) I've done that before. Let's pray together. Oh God, we give you thanks for your presence with us, for your love for this chance to worship in a different way, to be uh, looking at each other, to be looking at you. We pray now that your Holy Spirit will come and open our hearts to what you say to us today through these ancient words. We thank you that you are with us, that you hear our prayers, and that you speak to the deepest longings of our hearts. We praise you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and together we say, Amen. 
So we have just two more Sundays in our work uh, with identity. We've been remembering who we are and what it is that we're supposed to be doing as the church of Jesus Christ. Our Sunday school classes have been in deep discussion with with the theology surrounding our identity. It's it's been very important work, uh, not just because we, the church, sometimes forget our identity, but because uh, our world is going through an identity crisis too, isn't it? We don't have to look very far to see that. Everything is up in the air. For the profiteer, everything is up for grabs. For the Eeyores among us, the world is going to hell in a handbasket just as fast as it can. And for the optimists, we are hoping something good will come from all this turmoil. But I think for all of us, we are looking for not an anchor. We've given up on an anchor a long time ago. We're looking for a light, a star, something to guide our way as we navigate these rough and fast-moving seas. In our passage today, Paul uses two very important words, faith and belief. Faith and belief. They go together like peas and carrots. As Paul writes to the Corinthians, these words swirl around a thing called the gospel. Did you hear that? The gospel. We talk about the gospel a lot around here. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the thing that binds us together. We believe the gospel. We have faith in the gospel. We live the gospel. The question comes, though, what is it? What is the gospel, and how does it really work? On Ash Wednesday, just a few weeks from now, we'll put ashes on our forehead, like Dwayne here, and we'll say, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. But... What is the gospel? What is it? For the Apostle Paul, who wrote that letter to the Corinthian church, the gospel is always embodied in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It is always connected to God's new creation, which is both a present reality. We've been talking about this. It's both a present reality and a future hope. This tracks so well with what Jesus preached when he preached the gospel. He said, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, change. Change from your normal way of living and align yourself with what God is doing in the world. That is what Jesus preaches. That's what Jesus always preaches. Somehow, this gospel is operating inside of we who believe it already, and it is trying to operate inside of those who don't believe it yet. It is like a light shining in the darkness. It touches everybody, even those who cover their eyes and try to hide behind a veil. I think about Annabelle when we play hide and seek. She's three years old, and when you play hide and seek with Annabelle, if she can't see you, you can't see her. That's how it works, okay? She finds a perfectly good hiding place right in the middle of the room just by covering her face. She assumes that she's hidden. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Belief goes hand in hand with faith. Our beliefs shape us. What we believe matters deeply. The things in which we put our faith matter deeply as well. However, 
we must be careful. Believing something doesn't make it true. And not believing something doesn't make it false. There are things in this world that just are or are not, right? Gravity is one of those. Uh, Ben, you can stop believing in gravity today if you would like, and you still won't float away, right? That's not how that works. For Paul, this gospel is like gravity. It is a treasure of objective truth about the nature of God that we carry around in these clay jars, these everyday vessels. We are the clay jars. It lights the way when everything else has failed. We wonder, though, how did Paul know it was true? How did he have such faith in this gospel? Well, he saw Jesus raised from the dead. Oh, okay, that's one fella. Oh, no, what about the women who were at the cross? And John, they laid Jesus, who was very dead. They put him in the tomb. He was dead, and then he was not. Hundreds of people saw him. It is in the record of history, not just our record, but the record of history. Hundreds of people saw Jesus dead and then not dead. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is the hinge on which the gospel turns. We put our faith in the gospel because we know it to be true. Did you see Jesus raised from the dead? Did you see him with your own eyes? No, but you know it is true. You know that it is true. We still haven't said what the gospel is, though, have we? We still haven't said that. Sometimes it's easier to say what it is not. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been stretched in our day and time to include lots and lots of stuff that just doesn't fit with a careful reading of the scriptures. It gets thrown in with our cultural craziness and sometimes gets stuff on it that we have to clean off, okay? We have to do a little work to make sure we're understanding. I've heard that it has been said, I've heard it said myself, that you cannot be a Democrat and still be a Christian. Have you heard that? I've heard that it's said that you cannot be a Republican and still be a Christian. I've heard that too. <laughs> your politics, your politics do not trump your Christian duty to love God and neighbor, to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. The gospel informs your politics. The politics do not inform the gospel. I've heard it said that the good news is, the gospel is, if you straighten up, do good with your life, go to church, play by the golden rule, and follow all the rules, God will let you into heaven. No, not the gospel. The Pharisees tried that, and it didn't work out very well for them, not at all. I've heard that it is said that Jesus was a great teacher. I really like him a lot. If we'll just love everybody like sisters and brothers, we'll all have a happy time. No, not the gospel, not the gospel. Jesus was much, much more than that. And if you try to love everybody like sisters and brothers, that's going to break down in a hurry. That kind of love is not strong enough for the work required in the kingdom of God. It is just not strong enough. What about this one? This is one of my favorites. Uh, I've heard it said that the gospel is God wants me to be happy, at ease, and wealthy. 
all the time for the rest of my life. I've heard that it has been said. I like that one a lot, but no, 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 not the gospel. In fact, I think God wants us to work hard all the time to have our hearts broken by the suffering that is all around us and to be broke because we gave everything away in service to God's mission, keeping only what you need to sustain a very moderate lifestyle. As bad as I hate to admit it, that fits more with the New Testament than the other idea. Then I think there is the most dangerous one, the idea that the gospel is whatever you need it to be on your journey today, whatever you need it to be, that if you need it to be exceedingly liberal and progressive, well, then it is. That is it. That's what it is for you. That if you need it to be buttoned up and traditional, then that's what it is for you. Whatever you need. Whatever you need. No. No. We're not talking about whether you like the 49ers or the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last Sunday. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel. We don't get to make it in our image. The gospel shapes us into the, God, to the gospel's image, into God's image, and it has some hard edges for every single one of us. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear to us that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. There are some things that we believe about this gospel that are very, very important. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus is Lord, Lord of the church, of the world, and of our lives. We believe that Jesus died for our sins not just for our sins. We believe that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, that on the cross, God gave everything, reconciling the whole world, not just us, the whole world to God's self. We believe that the God revealed to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the same God who created everything, everything, that this same God loves us and wants to share life with us forever and wants to recreate His original intent, a place where everybody and everything can flourish, flourish in the love of God and be in healthy relationship with each other. Somehow in this good news, this gospel that turns on the hinge of resurrection opens the door of our broken hearts. We look out and we see God standing there with arms outstretched. The same scene is playing out at every broken heart. God with arms outstretched. The question is, who will come outside and let God love us, receive us, claim us in this gospel? we find ourselves standing outside of ourselves, wrapped in God's embrace and invited to embrace each other with a kind of love that we have never known before. This gospel shines as a beacon 
so bright that it takes our weary eyes a lifetime to get used to it. That is what we believe about the gospel. But we still haven't said that gospel, have we? We still haven't said it. We need to say that gospel. Will Campbell, a pastor from the civil rights days, a Baptist pastor, tells a story about his own hearing of the gospel. His roommate was a lapsed Methodist turned atheistic Jew. Can you imagine a lapsed Methodist turned atheistic Jew? His name was P.D., and P.D. hated the church and everything about the church. He called Will, Preacher Will, Preacher Will, and you can imagine the sarcasm that just fell off of that every time he addressed him. P.D. loved to goad him into theological arguments which no one could win except for P.D., the lapsed Methodist turned atheistic Jew. One of these arguments mushroomed into an intense conversation about the uselessness, the utter uselessness of the church and the nature of the Christian faith. He demanded that Preacher Will give him the gospel in ten words or less. Preacher Will didn't know how to say his name in ten words or less. P.D. demanded over and over, say the gospel, ten words or less, ten words or less. All of a sudden, out it came like toothpaste out of a tube. He said, we're all bastards, but God loves us anyway. Eight words, not ten. P.D. was so moved, he pulled his car off the road. He said, say that again, say it again, say it again. The words hit P.D. hard because... He was an illegitimate child himself, and he understood the magnitude of those words. Sometime later, Preacher Will, P.D., and friend Joe are gathered around the TV hearing the news that Will's friend, Reverend Jonathan Daniels, and a Catholic priest had both been shot and killed in Alabama by Special Deputy Thomas Coleman two white civil rights activists traveling with two black women in Alabama was cause for the unloading of both barrels of a 12-gauge shotgun at point-blank range. They weren't doing anything. They were in a grocery store traveling together, buying some supplies. The room had the atmosphere of a funeral parlor. Will was grieving. He was so angry. He was making phone calls to demand justice for this travesty. Overwhelmed, totally overwhelmed by the news. Joe was trying to comfort. And P.D. piped up in the way that only he could. He said, well, brother, well, brother, what do you reckon your friend Mr. Jesus has to say about all of this? What about that definition of the gospel you gave me? Let's see if this passes the test. No, PD, now is not the time. No, now is not the time. Of course it is. It is the only time you have to answer. What does your friend, Mr. Jesus, say to this? Was that Jonathan a bastard? You said we all are. We all are. Was he one? Will had to say yes, or his whole argument would fall apart. He said, yes, okay, yes, I guess he was. What about that Thomas Coleman? Is he a bastard? Of course, of the worst kind. 
Well then, well then, preacher will try to clean it up with some words about hating the sin and loving the sinner, but P.D. wouldn't have it. P.D. said, which one of these two bastards does God love the most? Which one does God love the most? Does he love that little dead Jonathan who gave his life in service to this cause? Or does he love that horrible living Thomas the most, sitting in jail with the blood of two of his own brothers on his hands and not a hint of remorse in his heart. Which one does God love the most? Preacher Will had a theological education that night. His words turned on him, cut deeply through all of his education and all of his time in ministry until he heard the gospel for the very first time We are all illegitimate children separated from God by our own brokenness. But God loves us all equally anyway. That's the gospel. Faith and belief swirl around this gospel. A treasure in clay jars. Out comes a way of life, an identity the children of God called to preach this gospel until everybody is able to believe it. But believing it isn't the hardest part. The hardest part is living it, living it every single day. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for your good news. We confess that it is hard for us to hear It is harder still for us to live. We thank you that you have caught us up in it and that you have invited us with your Holy Spirit to live it every day. Give us the courage we need, the strength, the patience with each other and with the world. Help us to be your children, to believe and to live this gospel. We pray it in the name of your Son, Jesus, the one who died, that we could have life. Amen.